life. Would you please stand with me? And as we're standing, I want us all to read John 3.16 together, just like the Bible says it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning now in Jesus' name that you will touch all of our hearts from this great verse of Scripture. One of the most important verses in all of our lives. Bless now, save some lost soul for Jesus' sake. Change a Christian to walk closer to you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you and be seated please. I say that John 3.16 is the greatest verse in the Bible. I suppose that every child that's ever attended Sunday school anywhere has memorized the John 3.16. I, uh, most anyone would agree that John 3.16 is the greatest verse in the Bible. But I believe there's two main reasons for this. Two main reasons why John 3.16 is the greatest verse in the Bible. First of all, no other verse is so full of the gospel as this one verse. Now there's many, there's other places in the Bible that compacts the plan of salvation, but it takes more than one verse usually to do that. But John 3.16 is in, in this one verse is compacted the gospel, and that is the plan of salvation, how to go to heaven. Just simply, how do you go to heaven? And John 3.16 gives you that compacted gospel in just a, a 25 words. Just 25 words in John 3.16 and what a complete declaration of God's plan and provision for the salvation of every soul, of every man, of every woman, every boy, every girl can be saved just by that one verse of Scripture, if they'll believe it, and put it into practice. And secondly, probably no other verse has ever been used so much to win so many to the Lord Jesus Christ as John 3.16. You can take this verse <coughs> and the oldest of people is a synopsis of the gospel. By that I mean if you take the words uh, in this verse, uh, if you take the uh, first letters of God, for instance, and then you take the first letter of only, and uh, you take the only uh, begotten, and if you take the first letter of son, and then you take the first letter of perish, and you take the first letter of everlasting, and you take the first letter of life, out of this verse, you have spelled out the gospel in that verse. The gospel is spelled out literally in that verse. Now, we're living in days of the biggest. I mean the biggest and the bestest of everything. Why, we got the biggest and the bestest of tennis shoes today. 
And if you can buy a pair of tennis shoes and if they don't do everything you want to, just pump it up. It'll do what you want to do. See, we got the biggest and the best of tennis shoes today. I remember, I remember when I was going to school, I wanted a pair of tennis shoes, man. And I went down and my daddy, I think, paid 5 or $6 for a pair of tennis shoes. Weren't, tennis shoes weren't imported back then. But I want to tell you the truth. You got to float alone now to buy a pair of tennis shoes. Why? Because they're the biggest and the bestest. I mean, that's all they are today. We're living in the, in the day of the biggest and the bestest of cars. I mean, the biggest and the bestest of cars. Now, my favorite, you see, is this little black Porsche. And it's got a fin on the back with wide tires and everything, you know. And then I want me one of them little flat hats, you know what I mean? It's checkered on top. And I'd just like to drive one of them before Jesus comes. I'd just like to do that just one. You know, they won't even let me do that because they see me coming and say, he ain't got the money. And they won't even let me drive that thing. And so I just like, the biggest and the best is of everything. That's what the world we're living in, isn't it? Just the biggest and the best of everything. The best team. I mean, all stars on this one. This is the biggest and the best is of all the team. Now, we don't have to exaggerate, though, John 3.16. We don't have to exaggerate that. It is the biggest and it's the bestest. But I want to give you something. Five great truths that prove this talk, uh, taught out of John 3.16 that makes it the greatest of all verses. Five great things. Number one, this verse tells of the greatest possible love. The greatest possible love. John 3.16 begins with, For God so loved the world. Brother, God so loved the world. The greatest love that's ever been known. God loves the world. I deal with people all the time who say to me, Preacher, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. They don't care if I live or die. And I can always come back to them and I can read them John 3.16 and say, God does. God cares. God loves you. Why? Because He loves the whole world. He doesn't live out anybody. Now, let me give you something. I, I know this. There's some people that I just can't love. I'm sorry, I wish I could. I wish I had the love of God should have brought in my heart so much that, that I could love everybody like God can, but I just can't. There is some things. Uh, I want you to see, though, uh, God's love is greatest possible love for two reasons. Because it is divine love. It's divine love. It is God who said, uh, so loved the world. Human love is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know a mother's love to me. Have you ever seen a mother that had a little baby and then all of a sudden they lay it now on their uh, breast and there, there lays that little mother and she just had a little baby. And the daddy walks around and says, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, good night alive, and he's all deformed and everything in the world. When he, you know, and and they are folks. I mean, when they first come, them the ugliest things I ever seen in my. Somebody said, "What a beautiful baby!" Not to me. I mean, good night. He's all messed up. But a mother holds that little baby and looks at him, and oh, she loves that little baby. And I got news for you: you mess with a mother, and you uh, you mess with a mother's children, you done got somebody messed up. You're going to get in trouble, boy, if you mess with a mother's children. There's something about a mother's love that's different than all other loves of human beings. It really is. Us men, uh, we love in a different way than women do and mothers do. Uh, but, you know, there's a love of a wife. There's a love of a wife. Can you imagine a woman 
Fellas, can you imagine a woman staying home and washing our old dirty underwear and our dirty clothes and cleaning up our dirty plates and, and cleaning up our dirty floor? Well, wait a minute. Maybe you're not like I am. I don't know. But when I come in the house, you know, I take off my coat and I just lay it over here and, and I take off my shoes and I put them over here and take off my socks and I put them over here. Y'all don't do that? Fellas, you don't do that? I do that. I can't help it. I'm just slothful, I guess. But my wife comes about and she says, don't do that. It's about a child's love. But all human love is imperfect. It's imperfect. Let me give you something. All human love is conditional. Will you please listen to me? All human love is conditional. That wife will love that husband. But it goes so far, bud, and it's over with. That husband will love that wife, but it goes so far, and then it's gone. You're not careful. You see, that's why I tell a husband and a wife, love making is work. It don't just happen. You work at loving one another. Let me give you something. Your little boy and a little girl, a little boy, two little boys playing together and loving one another. But if he gets my car, bam! See what I'm saying? It's conditional. I had a man tell me once, this friend of mine, he's such a friend of mine. And love. The greatest love that's possible is God's love. I can't love a murderer. I just can't do it. When somebody kills somebody, the Bible says, Brother, I got news for you. God so loved the world, and He still does, and He always will, and there's no human being that's ever been born that God doesn't love even today. Did you know... I just can't do it. When a man forces a woman, as many as they're out there that you can buy, fellas, I don't understand no man in my world. I'll never understand the day why a man will rape another woman. A woman. I just don't understand that. And brother, I got news for you. I can't like one of them either. And I can't, I cannot like a homosexual. I'm sorry, fellas. If you are perverted and a homosexual, you can get saved and come out of that stuff. You can get born again and change that kind of stuff. I had a man come sit right on this front pew one day in service. And he come down and he said, Preacher, can I see you in your office a few minutes? I thought he had some kind of problem. He came in my office and sat down. He said to me, he said, Now I'm born again. I'm a member of this church down here. And he said, But I like the way you move on the platform and I want your body. I said, Get out of here! I mean, I got so mad I was about to choke him to death right there in my office. I threw him right out the door. Don't come in here with that kind of perverted mess around me, bud. I'm as serious as I've ever been in my life. I just can't like a homosexual. I'm sorry. Listen to me. I can't love a woman beater. I'm sorry, fellas. No, I'm not sorry. I just can't love a woman beater. If you hit your wife, you dirty rotten dog. As far as I'm concerned, you're as low as a man can get if you hit your wife and beat on her. Because, brother, God gave you that woman. She's a weak vessel, and you ought to love her as your own body. But, but can I give you something? God can love them. God can love a homosexual. God can love a murderer. God can love a rapist. God can love a woman beater. God can love everybody 
Wait a minute. Let me hurry back to say this. God doesn't love your sin. And as far as I'm concerned, all of those things are sin. God doesn't love your sin, but He still loves you. Brother, that's a tremendous love. Tremendous love. Yonder is a fellow that says, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. As a Son of God, put Him on the cross. Kill Him. And God still says, But come unto me, I still love you. I still love you, although you crucified my Son. By the way, who killed Jesus? Who did it? God did it. But why did God kill Jesus? Because of mine and your sins. Not because of the Jews or the Romans. Yes, them too, but also mine your sins crucified Christ. But God did it for you and I. What a blessing. Let me give you something if I can, please. Human love is imperfect, but God's love is divine and perfect. The greatest love of all. An old hymn goes this way. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. Can I say to you when we read in John 3.16, God so loved the world, we're reading about the greatest possible love in all of the world, in all of creation. God so loved. Something about that, isn't it? And then the second thing, please, this verse tells of the greatest possible gift. The greatest possible gift. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, God cannot give a greater gift than this. Why? Why? He could have got an angel and give it. He really could have if he'd have wanted to. He could have did anything he wanted to. He's God. But God gave his only begotten son. Let me show you something, please. If I had two of anything, I might be willing to share. It's sort of like, sort of like a preacher, though, went out to a farmer's house and he said, would you give half of everything you own to the Lord? He said, absolutely. He said, if you had a million dollars, would you give him half of it? Yes, sir. If I had a million dollars, I'd give half of everything I own. He said, but I ain't got a million dollars. He said, but if you had a hundred thousand dollars, would you give everything, half of it to the Lord? And he came right on down. He said, if you, got, if you had ten dollars, would you give five to the Lord? He said, yes, but I don't have ten dollars. He said, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? He said, now you know I got two pigs. And he, he weren't interested in that. But, you know, that's about where we at. If, if we got two of them, we might get one of them. But I got news for you, brother. God only had one son. There's not a bunch of sons of God, a son of God. There's not a bunch of them. There's only one, the only begotten son of God. God in glory, give all he had. He give his son for men the greatest gift that could ever be given. First of all, two reasons why. It's because it's the greatest gift. Because God gave His Son. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 a minute. I want to show you something. Galatians chapter 4. And look in verse 4 with me, please. Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Can I give you something please? This verse is please plainly says God planned in eternity past. It was in God's mind in eternity past to give His only begotten Son before you was ever 
created. God in the beginning planned to give His Son the greatest gift, and He did so right on time. Right on God's timetable, Jesus was born. And right on God's timetable, Jesus was crucified. For what? You and I. The greatest gift He was given in our stead for us. Secondly, it's the greatest possible gift because Jesus is God's only begotten Son. His only Son. Let me go on, please, and show you the third thing. This verse tells of the greatest possible plan. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him. Whosoever. Now this is God's method and God's plan of salvation. You know, every once in a while we'll come across somebody and they'll say, Well, if you speak in an unknown tongue, you can go to heaven. Brother, that's not God's plan. You get a hold of this. That's not God's plan. Then you'll get somebody every once in a while and you'll say, But if you'll do some good works, if you'll give a year of your life to serve the Lord, you can go to heaven by your works. That's not God's plan. Somebody says, but if you'll come down these aisles and put your name on a church row and get in a pool of water and follow him in believers or in baptism, then you can go to heaven. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. God only has one plan, by the way. He don't have a half a dozen plans to go to heaven. He's only got one plan to go to heaven. And the greatest of all plans is that God gave His only begotten Son. That Now watch, please. What is the plan? God gave. What is the plan? That whosoever believeth. That's all. Somebody said, well, now, preacher, I just don't know if I can believe or not. Is that so? Let me ask, does anybody read the ad in the paper this morning of our church? How many of you have ever, not just this morning, but sometime or another you've read the ad in the paper? Let me see your hand. Let me see it. Well, then you do have faith. I planned that thing in the paper, said that we were going to meet today at 9.45 for Sunday school and 11 o'clock for morning service and 6.30 for evening service. Well, you came. Did you not? Weren't you on time? Why? Because the paper said what time we was gone. You exercised some faith in. They might have lied to you. They could have lied to you, but they didn't. They put the truth in there. Can I say something to you then? Every man exercises faith. Everybody does. You come in this morning, you sat down in that pew, didn't you? Did you examine the pew and say, well, I don't know if this thing will hold me or not. I don't know if I want to stand down here or not. That might be rotten. You didn't do that. You come in and plop, sit down. That's exercising faith. Brother, don't tell me that you don't know what faith is. Sure you do. The problem with, will you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Will you believe? That's God's plan. God's plan is He sent His only begotten Son. That's been done. That's finished. That happened 2,000 years ago. Now the other half of God's plan is, will you believe? Will you believe? Now notice, please. Notice it's a greatest possible plan, number one, because we all know what it is to believe and to trust. We all know. Don't tell me you don't. You do. Number two, it's the greatest possible plan because we can all trust and believe. There's not a person in this room that can't do it. Now, if we had to have a thousand dollars, most of us in here couldn't do it. I mean, if it took a thousand dollars this morning to have in our pockets to go to heaven, most of us couldn't do it. Maybe some of you can, but the majority of us in here, we couldn't make it. If it took doing some great deed 
great and wonderful deed to go to heaven. The majority of us in here would never make it. The majority of us would never make it. I got news for you. It doesn't take a great deed on your part. It doesn't take a great pile of money. You can't buy your way into heaven. It doesn't take anything great on your part. All you have to do is look and live. You see verse, turn back with me please to John 3.16. I want to show you a great truth. Everybody has memorized John 3.16. But how many of you has recognized John 3.14? Look at John 3.14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now that's a likeness, folks. Let me show you how it works. You have to take that as Moses lifted That's a likeness. Go back now to the book of Numbers, chapter 22, I believe it is, or 21, in the book of Numbers. <coughs> you find this story given. The children of Israel was coming out of the land of Egypt, out from under bondage, which is a type of sin, coming out from under the bondage of Egypt, they got out into the wilderness and they began to sin and murmur against God. God said because of their murmuring and sinning, He sent poisonous snakes to bite them, kill them. He just tired of messing with them. He said, that's it. But wait a minute. Moses, his servant, which is a type of Christ, interceded for the people, and that's what Jesus is doing for you and I today, on the right hand of God the Father. And he prayed to the Father, Father, save your people. And the Father, Heavenly Father, said to Moses, which is a type of Christ, raise up a serpent on your stave. Stand it up before everybody can see it. And on that stave, you put a brazen serpent. And brass speaks of the chastisement of God. And you put a brazen serpent upon that staff. And everybody that's bitten by a poisonous snake, which is a type of sin. Everybody that's bitten, that looks shall not die. Now imagine with me for just a minute. Yonder's a congregation of near about two million people gathered around the camp of God. <coughs> They're all dying, and one man raises up a serpent, an object, if you would please. And all they had to do was look and live. That's all they had to do. But Yonah's a little smart echo. Yonah said, I don't believe Moses. Same thing people are saying today. I don't, mean, I don't believe Jesus. I don't believe, I don't believe Moses. And I'm not going to listen to him. Why, he's telling us to go out there and look at a serpent. That's the silliest thing I ever heard of in my life. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take some, I'm going to take some, a hatty call, if you would, please, and it'll cure me of this bit, bite of a poison snake. No, he died. See, he died. But here's another guy over here, and he's, he said, what did Moses say? He said, look and live. He said, I believe Moses, and I'll do it. And he looked, and he did not die. Now, take that object lesson. That God gives us and let's come on down. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, that's a likeness, must the Son of Man be lifted up. And by the way, he was upon the cross. He was lifted up high and above that all the world might see. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that's every human being, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I say this something to you? Listen to me. If you die and go to hell, you'll do there with your sins paid for. Hell is not your home. If you die and go to hell, you're not going to be at home. You'll be in the devil's domain there, brother. You'll not be at home. God paid for your sin. You do not have to go to heaven. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Savior. That's all you have to do. And you can be saved today. Somebody says, Preacher, how do I do that? I never will forget my pastor taking the Bible and showing me Romans 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever, verse 13, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the question is, will you do it? Just that simple. Will you believe it? Will you simply say, yes, Lord, I believe that, and I will do what you have said to be saved. Brother, that's the simplest little verse in all the Bible. And such power, why it's transformed many, 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 millions of souls from eternal hell to eternal life. One little verse. And if you'll take it like it says it and believe it like it says it and put it into to practice, brother, you can be saved today if you want to do it. Come on. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so glad today in our hearts that we know without a doubt because we trust the Word of God that if we were to die right now, we go to heaven. We have trusted your Son. We do know in our hearts that He lives within us. Now, Lord, there's some here today <coughs> that has said to me in the past, I'm not sure. Lord, I pray today that another day would not go by. Another hour would not go by. They can do it right now. They can trust you out of this little verse to be saved for eternity. Bless, I pray, this invitation now. Draw some lost sinner to Jesus Christ our Lord. Let this be the day that they'll never forget throughout all eternity. Lord, we ask these things for Jesus' sake and in His name, believing that great things are going to happen because of the preaching of this little verse. In Jesus' name we pray. While we got our heads bowed,